at any given moment, you have the power to say that this is not how my story is going to end. Never forget that walking away from something unhealthy is brave, even if you stumble a little on your way out. So how do we get out of these uncertain situations and darknesses we call failures? How do we get out of these uncomfortable and sleepless traumas? How do we now reaffirm ourselves and say, trauma may happen to me, but it does not define me? This is Get Out Alive World Podcast with Tracy and Harridge. Welcome to another week's episode of Get Out Alive World. Today we have the beautiful the phenomenal Jennifer Prisk. Now, I really wanted to do the introduction, but guess what? It's going to take a couple of years in order to do so. So guess what? I'm going to ask her to do an introduction because I guarantee you that she will get it done more faster than I'll do. Welcome, Jenny. How are you? I am very well. Thank you, Tracy Ann. And I'm delighted to be connected with you in my native New Zealand. So you and I are on two sides of the planet. And this is phenomenal because of our electronic possibilities. Uh, I was born and raised in New Zealand and uh, then spent 40 years after I married my husband living in San Diego in California. By profession, I am an executive speech coach and also a motivational speaker. And after 9-11, I founded Voices of Women, which now you know as IVAL, which has become a podcast program, much as you have. And that's where we want to amplify the voices of women around the world, especially those who are in situations where perhaps they are being oppressed or suppressed and or they have suffered from forms of violence. And then I'm happy to say, though, that with regard to my life, COVID has forced us to stay in New Zealand a lot longer than we planned to, but I'm very happy to be back in my homeland again, my home country, and talking with you. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm happy to have met you at that seminar. Totally something that I had not planned because I did not know anything about that seminar and something popped up in my email and I decided I have to go and hence I met you. What a phenomenal journey thus far. But talk to me about how you grew up. What what happened in your childhood days? Were you always this person who advocates for person? For persons, were you always like that when you were growing up? Well, that's a very interesting question. And looking back, I think perhaps I was a little bit without realizing it. Growing up in New Zealand is quite idyllic. It's a very beautiful country and it's a very easy life. We know that we are blessed and very fortunate here. And um, I grew up with an older sister and she was married when I was 13. Uh, But going back to my school days, Um, apparently on my first day of school, I was very upset about leaving my mother. I was five years of age, 
But when I looked around and I saw that some of the other children were more unhappy than I was, apparently I started taking care of them all and and helping them to feel better and to feel safe and, and to feel happy about being at school. So I loved my school years. I didn't like the work, but I loved being with people. And um, I loved languages and I loved expression and I loved the theatre. So I made those discoveries as I was growing up through high school. Now, on the sad side of things, unfortunately, my father was a pedophile and I was one of his victims. And I say this now through a sense of recovery and through a sense of strength that um, when you grow up in a household where there is fear It teaches you to become very resilient and to become, um, I think, more adult faster than you normally would because you have to be watching out. And I know that you're familiar with this also. Um, So, But mostly my childhood, and especially because of my grandmother, it was wonderful. She was the most beautiful woman, and I really, really loved her. I loved my mom, too, a great deal. But my grandmother was my, she was like my guardian angel. She was absolutely terrific, full of life. And one of the things I remember about her was that even when she was in her late 70s, She used to go out and sing to old people. And I thought that was wonderful because I thought she was really old, but she had so much to give that I think she taught me a lot about giving back. All right. Thank you so much for that. And what beautiful soul. Is she still here with us? No, she actually died in my arms when I was 19 years old. She um, wow. she gave her, that was her parting gift to me, I think, because it was quite a gift, but I thought the world would end. I was so disturbed and distressed. <coughs> Excuse me. So she's been gone a long time, but I still hear her. Totally. I can just imagine. Yes. I can just imagine the, the love and the warmth that she she gave you. I It's really great. No. She she died in your arms at the age of 19. Was that when you decided that I'm going to tread on to this journey? Was that when you decided that, you know, this is the path that I'm going to take? Not immediately. That's a very interesting question. But what I did do two years after she died was get on a very big ship. And it took five weeks at sea. And I sailed from New Zealand to England. Wow. And I to travel because she had always wanted to travel the world and never could. And I think there was an impetus in her conversations with me. And uh, so I, I sailed to England. I had one other friend on board the boat. We had a, a bed and breakfast to stay at when we arrived, but then we had to start everything from scratch. So I had to find a job. I had to find a place to live. And I um, had said to my parents, I'll just go for a year. And I ended up staying for three years while I traveled Europe and did about 80,000 kilometers all over the countryside. And I got a tremendous insight into how the world lives, the world other than New Zealand. And I think that that's when it started to penetrate in my brain of how many exciting opportunities there were to work with people and especially women in the world. Uh, So that was an amazing experience. At what age did you start, though? How old were you when when you started advocating for for women? That's interesting. I was actually um, 
had, I was in my 40s. I think I'd always been trying to do it. I'd always tried to support, especially women, anybody who I knew was struggling uh, in any way, in my own way, but without an organization. But the advocacy really started when I founded Voices of Women, and it was 9-11 in New York City that prompted me to start 9-11. Sorry, to start Voices of Women. And um, I was caught in Seattle. My home is in San Diego. But when the airplane struck the World Trade Center, I was working in Seattle, and I couldn't get home for four days. And that gave me a lot of time to think about What's going on with the world? We need more peace. We need more women at the uh, the peace tables and the negotiation tables. So I started to think about voices of women. I contacted some friends in San Diego and I said, this is what I want to do. Are you with me? And they all said, yes, we are. So I actually talked to them from the car on the way home on the long drive from Seattle to San Diego and that was how the idea for a nonprofit or an NGO started. Awesome, awesome. Tell me about Ivor. What are some of the, the, the things that you do at Ivor? I know you said you advocate for women, but what are some of the other things that you do at Ivor? That's a, a lovely, another lovely question. So let me start off with the beginning. So it was Voices of Women or VOW that started first after 9-11. So we had our first meeting one month after the Trade Center buildings fell down. We had our first meeting because I was determined to start quickly. So we started in October of 2001. And over the 15 years that we ran as a nonprofit organization, our advocacy was about supporting women at that stage in Afghanistan and in Iraq and in Africa. And we had about 80 educational programs which were open to the public And we had speakers who were living in America, but they spoke. They were from those respective countries. And they updated us with very, very important information so we could learn more about what was actually happening in these countries that were being afflicted by war. And so for 15 years, we ran the nonprofit. And then when we realized that a number of the board directors had to resign and I was getting very busy with my business, Press Communication, we turned it from a nonprofit into a podcast program. And that's IVAL. And IVAL was founded so that we could actually listen to the real voices of women, which is what the VOW stands for. And the idea is to amplify the voices of women who are either working in marginalized countries, but they're in leadership roles, or to talk to women who are in fields and professions dominated by men so that they could talk about how they get on and how they've learned to partner. They're very positive stories. Not They're not negative stories. They're all very positive. Right. And I had the privilege of listening to some of those podcasts. And let me tell you something. People, you need to go and listen to some of them. If not some, all of them. Because guess what? You will hear from the person 
persons who had first hand experiences on some of the very same things that we're experiencing here. So I encourage you to go listen to those podcasts. It's called I-V-O-W, I-V-O-W, right? Yes, but let me give you the website, if I may, Tracy Ann. It is www.voicesofwomen, that's all one word and plural, voicesofwomen.org. And that's where I vow will pop up for you. Awesome. Now, what are some of the challenges that you have experienced thus far while advocating for, for women? And how did you overcome some of those? There are always, as you know, a lot of challenges. Probably the biggest one is getting funding. Now, having founded uh, Voices of Women and IVOW in America, you'd expect that it might be easy to get funding. And we did have some very, very kind and very generous donors who supported us, and we were able to get some grants. But funding often seems to be the most challenging. And once you've, but once you've established a funding uh, channel or a funnel, then things can get easier. The second thing was often that people would push back about our ideas. And I'm sure you understand what that means yeah. to the work that you do. They start to tell you, oh, you'll never get that done. Or what's a bunch of women going to do? You can't change the world. Or um, they would they would negate any of the things that we were proposing. They would push back against us. And so that gave us a, an ability, though, to get stronger, to grow stronger, to grow a lot more resilience. And then, of course, the hardest thing for me became that as we learned about one group of women who were struggling somewhere in the world. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Get Out Alive World podcast, where we equip victims to become surthrivers. Be sure to share this episode far and wide. Download from your favorite podcast host and always leave a comment about the episode. Join us again next time, same time and same place for another episode. And if you want to donate to the tremendous work that we have been doing in saving lives, feel free to send us an email at getoutaliveworld at gmail.com. Send us a WhatsApp message to one 876 367 7476 or on our website at tracyandharridge.com. I'm your host, Tracy and Harridge, signing out. Take care, love and blessings always. Remember to get out alive.